In this week's episode, I lament my soft heart and inability to hear Sarah McLaughlin without weeping as we cover a beautiful book with heavy implications. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B. I hope everybody is having a good day. Yes. Hope everybody is having a good week. Yes. Hope everybody is having a good life. Ooh, that's a that's a good hopeful one. Yes, <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about some comics. Kind of a quick week. It was a little light on the new titles. There was at least one new title that was supposed to come out this week that I think got delayed. Yes. Uh, so we don't get to talk about it. But um, so not not too much. So we'll go ahead and dive on in. First up, we're talking about Primordial Number One. Uh, this is written by Jeff Lemire with art by Andrea Sorrentino. Uh, this follows. Uh, it's set in kind of an alternate history where the space race uh, abruptly dies off. The Russians send their dog to space. We send a couple monkeys, and then we just shelve the whole space system. We follow a, an MIT educated. Uh, engineer as he's sent to be a part of project pen cap uh, which he thinks is some sort of new launch of the space race but he finds out it's something a bit less gorgeous Exciting. <laughs> um, as he starts to uncover the mystery of what happened that caused two superpowers two warring superpowers to shut down their race to the stars t what did you think i thought this one was really really good um, I like that the main character is a black man in the 60s making his way. I like that it's got conspiracy theory involved. I like that it's space and astronauts and I like alternate history. You know how I love my historical fiction. And mm. like they drop it in, they weave in the historical alternate timeline stuff very subtly like news on the background and like you know little bits of paperwork here and there and like i love i love that mm. i love when it's steeped in like a weird <laughs> non-history that's very much my vibe yeah um it also is being set up to be super weird and have some weird stuff happen and there's there's a doggy and some monkeys and it's just a little monkey there's so <laughs> there's so many great great bits to be mooshed together and i yeah. i'm a fan <laughs> you would think knee deep into 2021 knee deep into a pandemic where we can't get people to get a life-saving vaccination that i would be absolutely tired of conspiracy theories but damn it i'm not <laughs> Department of Truth is one of my favorite books. This one is cool and awesome. I just I love the I love the 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 shady government stuff. But but like but like the really far fetched kind. Yeah, the ones about, <laughs> the ones about like aliens and Bigfoots and not about horse pills and yeah, stuff. Exactly. Exactly. The ones that aren't just a convenient way of Avoiding a mild discomfort. <laughs> get, vac <laughs> get vaccinated. Please. If, please. If you're listening to this and you haven't been vaccinated, 
uh, go get vaccinated. Please. If you're listening to this and you're hesitant about the vaccination uh, due to a reasonable fear, hit us up. We can talk. We can talk about it. If you're listening to this and you don't want to get vaccinated because someone in the government or an unlicensed or mislicensed doctor or a news station or a Twitter account or your neighbor Jeff told you that there were bad things and the vaccine was dangerous, don't ever listen to Cover B ever again. Also, screw off Jeff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cover Cover B is not for you. We're if not, you, no. If you haven't figured that out by now, welcome. Uh, but Goodbye. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't need your downloads, Kent. I don't. Um, I, we're past the point of me giving a shit. So anyway, conspiracy <laughs> theories about space and dogs and monkeys. Yeah. Uh, this is a beautiful book. It's really interesting. Like, it's really well laid out. Uh, the formatting of the panels is done really, really well. And it's just, you know, two weeks in a row, we had a really solid appearance from Jeff Lemire. So yeah. it's cool that he's getting back out there and doing some work. And honestly, I feel like this is kind of a unique one for him lately. A lot of his creator-owned stuff has been very family-oriented. Yeah. You know? Uh, Royal City, Family Tree, even May's book, which came out last week. Yeah. It's all been very focused around, like, you know, growing up and families and dysfunction between families and relationships between families and balancing family tension and stuff like that. Family Tree. Did I say Family Tree? Yeah. Plutona has family elements and, like, friendship elements. So it's always been, like, very grounded. Right. His work. And this feels more like a Hickman book than a, yeah, than I can a see that. Lemire book. So I'm excited to see him develop this as it goes along yeah and it's just it's got a good flavor to it it does it's mm, it tastes good <laughs> it's, so. it's it's hitting all the right buttons tastes good and i highly recommend it except you kent <laughs> if you're listening and your name's kent i'm sorry i'm not actively picking on people named kent this is the first name that came to <laughs> so you there kent you can keep listening but you kent <laughs> you stop it Get out of here. And I'm talking to you, Kent. <laughs> Stop doing what you're doing. It's gross. <laughs> you know who you are. I always thought it would be funny if you did that and, like, someone was named Kent was, like, scratching themselves inappropriately or... Oh, God, they see Had, like, me? us... Uh, I hope this isn't the case, but had us up and then, like, a tab on their browser that they shouldn't have open. <laughs> and I'm like, Kent, Stop. Gross. I don't, don't want to be the soundtrack to that. Yeah, right? <laughs> and they're just like, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on to relevant conversation. Next up is a book from Behemoth. This is called Nobody's Child. Yes. Uh, it ha It is written by Massimo Rossi uh, with art by Ramiro Barallo. Uh, this features a alternate future this time we've we're traveling in time to the future um well i guess it isn't an alternate future because it hasn't happened so it could it's be our potential future, future. A potential timeline future where white rhinos are found to have a gene some sort of amino or something that is a cure-all cures is a miracle cure for everything Cancers, yeah. diseases, viruses, Parkinson's, uh, birth all of defects. It. Like it just it cures all of it. And so they, of course, because humans, get hunted to extinction. Uh, they 
we try to clone them and it doesn't work. And the book opens with a bunch of news stations kind of all reporting all the different stages of this advancement. Um, even going as far as like interviewing poachers as they're ripping the horns off of rhinos and stuff. Um, and we are then met up with the last surviving rhino. He's a big old grumpy fella and his human protector who is trying to journey to the south of uh, the continent, I guess, the south of Africa, uh, or at least journeying south. I don't know where they're actually located in Africa, trying to get to the coast uh, so that they can maybe hop on a boat and find some refuge in an island somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, He doesn't really have a plan, (laughs) it seems, after the boat, uh, but that's the game plan, and we follow their adventure as they go through uh, tea. What were your feelings? So I very much respect this book and its necessity to kind of shed light on, honestly, the type of treatment a lot of animals get when it when they face, you know, either conservation or extinction um, because of poachers and things like that. Like, this is not an unrealistic future, sadly. Um, if there was something like a cure-all that was found, they would absolutely, this would absolutely be what happens. Um, that being said, this book made me very uncomfortable from start to finish because I am a bit of an animal conservation person. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I can't watch the Sarah McLaughlin commercials. I can't watch when it's like, we are trying to save the polar bears. Like I can't. I, I cry hysterically and I change the channel and then I donate a bunch of money and then I cry more and then I try to forget about it for a little bit because all of the critters are in bad shape and it sucks. And so the dichotomy of this book being there's one rhino that is in danger and he's the only one left and he's an old boy and we love him and he's cute and he's nice and I love him. And then yeah. there's all these terrible, horrible people poachers yeah. that are trying to get him. And then also humanity as a whole is just like... A a parasite on the face of the earth. We're trying to just preserve ourselves and we don't deserve it. I got very worked up and I don't think I'll be reading number two, but I very much respect the book and I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I'm not built for this book, It's not guys. often we get a book that is about animal conservation. And the interesting thing about this book is that there's literally no world where this book has a happy ending. No! The rhino's old. Eventually, he's going to die anyway. All the main character is really doing is trying to make sure that his death is on his terms and natural. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think the darkest part about this book is the is is kind of subtly mentioned in the background of the setup, wherein they try to clone the rhinos. They're able... They are successful at cloning the rhinos, but the cloned rhinos don't have the miracle property. Yeah, something so they changes just, in the cloning they process. They just give it up. Yeah. And the like that's so dark, but it's it's kind of it it you know, like if you if you think about it like capitalism. If someone's <laughs> funding the cloning of these rhinos in order to get the miracle thing and the miracle thing's not there, then they're probably going to stop funding the So it, there doesn't have to be only one rhino left. We can clone them. It says in the book that they cloned them, but it didn't come out right. And maybe they only cloned tissue. Maybe that's what they were getting at. But I, the way I read it is that they cloned them. 
they didn't have the miracle thing, so they just abandoned the cloning. And it's like, I could see that happening. And then they <laughs> obliterate yeah. all of them instead of and I think, instead of having any level of forethought yeah. of maybe preserving the animal, we'll preserve that's, the drug. Yeah, that's the <sighs> the pain of this book is how real it is. Yes, is is how real it feels. This is not again like we've said about previous things we've talked about. This is not gonna be a happy jaunt no you know the best you can hope for is that this rhino will be the la continue being the last and who knows maybe they'll do some sort of twist where it's like oh i found a haven for rhinos look these people have also gathered up rhinos and yay we'll save the species uh but i don't see that happening mm -mm. and mm -mm. like i said the pain in this book is just how real it feels you know we have in that opening crawl of all the news stations and stuff we have people talking about doing exactly what you said like having more telling people to be patient and having a slower role with these rhinos and kind of like farming them and yeah building up their population uh and then like the next panel is some lady holding a baby who's got some sort of malady and is like this is what the protesters are fighting for look at my child you know like if they want patience my baby's gonna die and it's like that's the kind of mentality that we see a lot. Mm-hmm. Kent. <clears throat> <laughs> Looking at you. Um, you know, where it's like, it's my solution to this problem and I need it now. Everyone else be damned. And, you know, we less so in the pandemic in terms of aside from loose kind of connections here, but in global warming and like climate problems yeah like we see a lot of people refusing to take a stand on trying to help the climate not be a disaster decades from now because they don't care they're like decades from now i'm gonna be older dead who cares and people and wonder why i think humans don't deserve the i was actually i was <laughs> reading an article today where an increasing number of young people like in their teens are having like severe depression and anxiety because of the climate and the environment because they're not excited about what they're going to be left with because there seems to be no push for change well i mean i you know i recently watched a show that one of the plot points in season two was that the young daughter of one of the main characters had a panic attack at school because she got so overwhelmed by the discussion of climate change. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a very real topic for the younger generation and the older generation. It's not. They want to keep doing care. things the way they do because it doesn't every time science comes out and says, you know, oh, we might be 10, 20 years from an irreversible nightmare scenario. They're like, ah, eh, you know, I'll be 70 in 20 years. Who cares? <laughs> you know? And that's, that's, so it's, it's a very real relatable issue, uh, in our political world. And, you know, it's, that's, that exacerbates the pain of this book is, is reading it and seeing all the rhinos get wiped out and seeing this last rhino, be you know the target of these horrible people who just want to profit and you know the idea that cloning would be abandoned it's a tough book but it's an important book it's important I, as i said i fully respect it and i would recommend it i just 
I also know myself and I am too much of a sensitive soul to be able to read issue two. I I just don't think I have it in me. Yeah. So if you're the type of person that would be interested in reading on the road with rhinos, uh, (laughs) check this one out. It's like I said, it's a heavy piece, but it's it's well done. It's important conversation that needs to be had. And it's well done. Conservation and the environment. So. Wrapping it up on more of a light note, we have Harley Quinn, the animated series Eat Bang Kill Tour number one. This was written by T. Franklin, no relation. Uh, It's spelled the same as mine. With art by (laughs) Max Saren. Like the gas. (laughs) Which I thought was interesting. Um, I think it might be spelled differently. Anyway, that's not related to anything. (laughs) (sighs) Harley Quinn. Eat Bang Kill Tour. This follows, this actually picks up at the end of the animated series, which is either ended, did it end end, or is it just like a season end? Anyway, it picks up after events of the animated series. It follows, it's set in that world. So things that have happened in the animated series, uh, the one available on HBO Max, uh, are referenced in this book. That said, they do a good job kind of telling you this is a thing that happened and then moving on, not wasting a lot of time filling you in on what happened in the show, but also not leaving you high and dry if you haven't watched the show like myself. I still have not watched the show. Originally, it was available on the DC streaming thing. Then it was available on HBO Max. And I only recently got HBO Max to do like Zack Snyder cut and stuff like that. Um, So I plan on watching it, but I haven't. Um, Anyway, we'll talk about that more later. Uh, this follows Poison Ivy after she had uh, been declined at the altar by Kite Man as she has re- accepted her newfound love for Harley Quinn. Uh, they are on the run from the police, so they decide to go on a road trip and visit a bunch of other supervillains hideouts and just kind of get familiar with each other and explore their new relationship. T, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. For reference, the Harley Quinn show has been renewed for season three, but there was a bit of a hiatus because it was making the transition from DC Universe to HBO Max. Gotcha. Um, But yes, it has been renewed. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it's a super fun, playful romp. I also have not seen the animated show, but definitely want to now. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the depiction of the characters. I enjoyed the fun, zany side of it. Um... I feel like so much of the Batman Gotham experience recently has been just very, very dark and a little heavy handed. I mean, you know, ever since the Nolan verse, I feel like everybody's just like, how dark can we go? How dark can we go? And uh, this was not that. I mean, Gordon's yelling obscenities on TV and, you know, Harley and Ivy are making out in a car and I every there i don't know it's just fun and it's playful and it's silly and it's zany it kind of mm. has like this is weird because it's an adult adult you know and a comic based on an adult based animated show but i i do feel like there's some spiritual succession to the batman animated series like the bruce tim mm. there's like elements of it yeah, that feel very like like grandpa to grandkid family tree. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel like if they had told Bruce Tim like, "Hey, 
you're allowed to make a show for adults. He'd have been like, hell yeah. And it would have been a lot like this. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's really cool. I like that it's got kind of that, a little bit of that essence to it that very much makes it like, I was a millennial and I grew up with the animated series and now I'm an adult and I want to exist with this one. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my big takeaway from this is that now I want to watch the show. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> not that I never wanted to. It was always on my list. It just never really like jumped up. Once it got so far away that it was no longer new, it never really like jumped up on right. my priority. But now I really want to get caught up with it because it seems fun. If the writing is anywhere half as enjoyable in the show as it was in this, shout out T. Franklin. You did a really, really good job. Yeah. Um, just a really fun book. It's just it was, fun. It it's fun. zany and I, fun. Yeah, I, I am I am all in on watching them go around all these different supervillain things and do hijinks. Yeah. There's also like a surprising amount of heart there. Like you see Ivy dealing with some like deeper emotional problems yeah. that she's having to like struggle with and you know, the relationship between somebody who cares for somebody that's dealing with stuff and Harley has this really cool, which I hope they do in the show, has this really cool kind of inner monologue where she talks to Harleen Quinzel, Dr. Harleen yes. Quinzel. She's very cool. Uh, and gets advice on how to approach Ivy, who's obviously not okay, but isn't willing to talk about it. Yeah. And so, like, the development of that has potential for a lot of heart. And then the art itself is really, it's zany, it's very high-paced, like, very high-action, very colorful, but then it's also, like kind of cute at times kind of sexy at times like it's it's the books all over the place but in the best kind of way i agree you know it's it's a very chaotic book but it's delightfully so it doesn't leave you like ah too much is happening like it, it really just works so i'm pumped for this i it's been a while since i've read a harley quinn book that i've really been like ching i'm in here for that right and there's been a lot of them that i've read like i'm not like an anti-harley fan i don't you know, I think Harley, much like Deadpool, is the type of person that it really depends on who's much like any character. But those two. Those two can be abused in yes. in how they're used. They can Let's be a be little real. bit too they're... like, OK, here's another Harley Quinn thing. Let's happening. be real. They're cash cows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Harleen black label book by steven sedgick that was great uh there was the white knight harley quinn book oh, also great very very good so you know there's been good harley stuff but i think what we're seeing and what's really interesting to see is the amount of very varied takes on harley quinn yes so you know again harley often gets compared to deadpool and while deadpool gets used by a lot of different people some very successfully some kind of less so sometimes he's just a throwaway like comical thing sometimes yeah. he's actually like a deeper character sometimes he's comical but really well done and really well paced and things like that right he's always deadpool yes you know but what we're seeing is a lot of people take really creative stances on harley and make harley's very different while this one does feel very similar to mainline harley she has just enough differences to kind of make her stand out yeah and make her interesting and i think that's really cool and that might be them playing off of uh, Kaylee Cuoco's performance of her. True. Uh, or the show just decided to take kind of a different angle. Um, that angle apparently wasn't allowed to be Batman doing certain sexual acts, but they are <laughs> willing to take their the angles that they want to take, apparently. Not to drum, fault. Not to drum up an old <laughs> meme. DC's fault. <laughs> I'm just just now connecting that this is the same show that we recently had in the news where 
It was like, heroes don't do that. Anyway. This has, been a, <laughs> this has been another episode of your podcast host has severe ADHD. Um, but this one's really cool. If you're looking for a good, fun, more traditional Harley Quinn book and you're not willing to go into like the mainline book or she does a lot in Batman these days. Um, this one's worth checking out. And it's, it's a also, short series. And it's a great option if you have been interested in the show but haven't watched it and want to know kind of the vibe of it. And that's going to do it for us. Yes. That is it for this week. Yes. Kind of a lighter week. Um, we are going to be out of town for the next two weeks. Yeah. So we are going out of town next week, so we will not have a regular Thursday episode next week. Correct. We will not have a regular Thursday episode the following week. Correct. What we may have, depending on what books come out in that time frame, is an episode coming out on Saturday, giving you an idea of what came out those weeks. Correct. Uh, so not next Saturday, but not not this Saturday, not next Saturday, but the following Saturday. <laughs> Three Saturdays. Look from forward now. to that. Um, and we might just honestly put ones that we liked in our honorable mentions post for the month, yes. if there's not many of them. Uh, but we will see. We will we'll still. We are going to try to have episodes coming out on Monday while we're out of town. Uh, if that does happen congratulate us if it doesn't happen uh congratulate us um <laughs> only good vibes baby <laughs> kent uh <laughs> if you want more cover b you can find us on social media facebook twitter instagram and tiktok where there's different stuff that happens on all of them the stuff you get on facebook yeah, is different than the stuff you get on instagram it's different than the stuff you get on tiktok and tiktok's got things like shorts and instagram has stuff like like features and facebook's got memes so like don't miss out <laughs> there you have it and we will see you back here for the next episode of cover, cover b. b bye everybody